I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, hello. Welcome to Jules Says. I'm Jules, Julie McCarthy. My brother-in-law, Pete, pointed out to me that on some of the podcasts, I mentioned my email address at the beginning, but not all. So today... Here's the email address at the beginning. If you have anything to say or share or ask, please, please, please email me at jewelsays at gmail.com. J-E-W-E-L-S says at gmail.com. I'm sure it's no surprise to you that Catherine Ryan's Telling Everybody Everything is probably my favorite. No, it is my favorite podcast. But it was interesting to me listening to the episode Gigs and Plan B. That one was her December 9th episode. She had done a corporate gig for a tech company. And this company seemed to be a pretty good place to work. They brought puppies in. And she recommended on her podcast that people should get into coding. It is still a predominantly male line of work. But what you might not know is I wrote code for a pretty significant part of my 40-plus years in information technology. And I agree with Catherine. I highly recommend any job in IT because these jobs look boring when you just watch the person sitting at a computer screen. And yes, there are physicality challenges after so many years. But I can tell you it is surprisingly fun and extremely gratifying, and it's creative. You have to think of solutions and problems that people may not even know they have yet, and then you have to develop programs to automate things, deliver solutions, and it's genuinely very gratifying. So I am on board with Catherine's recommendation, go into information technology or coding if you have an analytical mindset. And in particular, if you're able to land a job where technology is their core business, they value you more than a company that views their IT department as overhead. And if the company brings puppies in, I could only wish. Pete is a developer. Grandfather Abe works in information technology. It's a great job. And technology is always changing, so it never gets boring. Speaking of puppies, Catherine also advised someone who is incredibly lonely to get a dog. And a dog takes a lot of time and effort and care and can be expensive to look after. But no one will ever love you like a dog. I remember one Christmas, I didn't have a dog of my own anymore. Jake was no longer with us. The children were pretty much grown. I was still in Sarnia. And I came home after work on a Friday thinking that I was going to be coming home to an empty house. And I opened the door. And who greeted me but my daughter Joanne's dog, Butters, who was the most enthusiastic, lovable, loving pug. 
And he danced and he snorted at me and it absolutely lifted my spirits. I had been feeling kind of sad because I didn't realize that Joanne was due home and that she was going to bring butters. And I was so happy to see him. And he just lifted my spirits. Dogs are wonderful. And I swear that that dog genuinely loved me. And Joanne said that he reacted that way to everyone. So I probably shouldn't flatter myself. Well, it's Christmas week. Some people love Christmas, but for a lot of people, it's not so great. For some of us, it's lonely. And of course, Christmas means different things to different people. And it can be especially difficult if you're alone or if you're missing someone. I've noticed this year that a lot of people have said Happy Holidays instead of Merry Christmas, and I honestly don't care at all. But it really cracks me up when I hear people complain that saying Happy Holidays is akin to a war on Christmas. It's just being respectful. We live in a secular society, and it's a small way to acknowledge that not everyone is Christian. Now, I've worked with a lot of people from a few different countries of different religions or of no religion. And I can tell you, nobody I have ever met is offended if you say Merry Christmas. And even people who do celebrate Christmas very often say Happy Holidays. And even if you don't believe in baby Jesus, we can all get behind the concept of goodwill, hopes for peace, and a couple of days off work, if you're lucky enough to get them. We all want the same things in life. Most people are nice. I gotta tell you, though, I fucking love Diwali. The Indian friends bring the best food into the office to celebrate. They're so happy to celebrate and share their delicious food. And even if they haven't cooked it themselves, they know where to get the most authentic samosas, biryani, everything. Diwali is great and one of the top things I miss about not going to the office And usually it's kind of near Christmas. I don't really understand when it hits. Hey, I just go along with the ride when it comes along because I really love their food and I love how excited and generous they are about sharing their celebration. I used to really look forward to Christmas when I was little, but by the time it rolled around, there was a palpable tension in the house because my father... Ted was a daily drinker, even even at normal times. And the level of partying in the 60s and 70s, if you've never seen Mad Men, for me, one of the reasons I really like it is because it's such an accurate depiction of what life was like in the 60s. I was a little girl, but people drank, they smoked, children were to be seen and not heard, people littered, people drank and drove. It was just, it was a different time. And women, I think, existed largely to serve and be pretty, and the boozing was epic. Our family was really lucky. We certainly lacked for nothing. We always had plenty of food, a nice home. We always had gifts under the tree at Christmas. But I could feel my mother's tension. Now, my parents were always up late It wasn't uncommon for us to wake through the night from my father yelling or his fist pounding on the table. Ted even yelled in his sleep, sometimes just sounds, but sometimes words. 
and our Santa gifts were unwrapped, no doubt to buy my mother an extra hour or two of early morning sleep on Christmas Day, which she desperately needed. One year, though, we went ahead and unwrapped all the gifts. I remember running to my mother in bed and waking her excitedly to tell her what I had opened. Oh, mummy, guess what? I got this, I got that, whenever I opened anything. But when she came downstairs, she was so angry that we hadn't waited for her. And when my mother was angry, she didn't yell and scream. She was a calm angry, which you can still feel. And I remember her cooking Christmas dinner just seething in silence. And I don't remember whether we were punished. I Possibly we weren't. But I do remember that I felt sick with guilt for having disappointed her, for having upset her, which for me was punishment enough. And we certainly never did that again. I also strangely, I mean, there were maybe a few times we had Christmas dinner at one of my grandparents. I honestly don't remember. But my mother cooked a fabulous turkey dinner. She was not afraid of spice. She took pride in setting the table beautifully. I took it for granted, but, you know, looking back, I think it's obvious that it meant a lot to her. And we were a family of chatters. Even at a really young age, I enjoyed lingering after dinner as the adults enjoyed liqueurs and cigarettes. Even the ashtrays matched the dinnerware, and of course they were overflowing and there would be laughter and chat. I was not in any hurry to leave the table and go play. I think I was a bit of a strange child. Not just at Christmas, but sometimes after uh, a special dinner of some sort, my parents would sing. (laughs) One of my favorites was they would sing to each other back and forth. My mom would sing, A, you're adorable. And my dad, B, you're so beautiful. C, you're a cutie full of charm. And it was so often great and that kind of happy until it wasn't. We all learned to duck out quietly when the convivial laughter suddenly turned to contemptuous sneers. Whenever there was a special dinner, my mom would go to all this trouble, and she could not count on Ted actually coming home at any appointed time. And it frustrated her so much, which I completely understand now. But when I was young, I didn't really understand what the problem was, because it was normal to me. And when I was old enough, I occasionally joined him. And I used to say to her, well, if you don't like it, don't cook the big dinner. But it was something that meant a lot to her. And it wasn't just Christmas. She would do that for Easter, Thanksgiving, whatever the special occasion was. But I would say to her, you know, he's not going to change. I think because I had grown up with it, the drinking was normal. In fact, in my family, it was not even just normal. It was actually celebrated. Being able to drink everyone under the table was a badge of honor. I think I might have been about 12 when I learned that the man smell, as I had always called it, was actually not what men smelled like in the morning by default, but the smell of stale booze in the morning after a night of tying one on. I just thought that's what men smelled like in the morning. 
until someone told me what the smell actually was. One year when I was a child, Ted came home, I don't know, I might have been eight or nine. He came home one day after work with this big smile on his face and a stack of wrapped gifts in his arms, which was, I mean, that was just unheard of. He didn't buy gifts. My mother did all that. He certainly wouldn't have wrapped anything. He criticized gifts. What the hell would I want with that? He even seemed to me to endure the hardship of having to sit there on Christmas morning when we opened gifts. And I think it was just, he was probably just tired and hung over. That probably is why. But you know, children are surprisingly insightful about how people around them are feeling. And that's what it felt like to me. That year, he got me, well, he got me. The gift in that stack that was mine was a bottle cutter. And my mother got a fur stole, you know, uh, like a fur wrap, and had her picture taken wearing it with the most pained, forced smile I think I had ever seen. And again, I couldn't understand at the time why she didn't like that stole. She ended up returning it and bought new carpet for the living room. And I found out years later that Ted had been having a little liaison with someone from his office, kind of like a less successful Don Draper. So that's no doubt where those gifts came from. Fast forward to my teens. I was seeing a guy before the girl's father who had a very different household. His father made me nervous. He hung around with the family. He was never drunk. He helped in the kitchen. He went for walks with his wife. He didn't disappear. They didn't sing around the table, but the dinner table chat never shifted to, okay, you better get the hell out of here. That just never happened there. He didn't make fun of any of his children. He didn't insult any of us. He didn't put pepper on people's food against their will. He didn't leer at me or his daughters. He also went to the trouble of getting a real Christmas tree. Now, he did this. Well, maybe the mom went with him. I'm not sure. But my dad certainly had nothing to do with the Christmas tree. But this guy helped decorate the tree, which I thought was kind of odd. And he put actual candles on it. He had these little candle holders that were specially designed for a tree, which I had never seen. It really was quite magical. He put Christmas carols on while the tree was being decorated. I stayed over there one Christmas Eve, and there was no boozing. He just hung around the family. He wore pajamas. He was such a lovely, loving man, but at the time, it made me uncomfortable. I guess it was just because I, I just couldn't tell when his mood was going to change. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I remember going to my mom's and telling her about this man's strange ways. And she said, 
Oh, for Christ's sake, Julie, he's a normal man. That's what normal men are like. Your father's the strange one. So Christmas was uh, a little tense in my house growing up. Now, when I had my own children, I loved Christmas with them. We had friends who hosted a pantomime on Boxing Day for their Irish friends' families, which was amazing. I had never seen a pantomime, and I was just enthralled. All the children got involved. They all planned what they were going to do. They had little costumes. It was just thrown together, and it was wonderful. As soon as mine were old enough, I started taking them to the local theater pantomime. And when they were a little older, we were all in the annual Hidden Talents Christmas show, which is a beautiful, Christmassy kind of Victorian setting Christmas carol show. A few times, we got to see a local Nutcracker Ballet performance. I mean, I loved those things about Christmas. But of course, as was the case with most mums, I was responsible for procurement for all goods required by the family, of course, including gifts. And the children always joined me shopping until they were old enough to opt to stay home. I had to somehow discreetly buy their gifts, so Catherine would be instructed to browse with her sisters in one of the toy aisles when they were old enough for that, while I had gifts under the coats piled up in the cart. And I loved decorating the tree with the children, which we never did until after Joanne's December 2nd birthday. I still have some of their homemade ornaments. I had a craft box, and we often made ornaments together. Sometimes we made a gingerbread house. We usually had Christmas morning at home and then headed to the girl's father's best friend's house after church for brunch or appetizers, which was delightful, then usually to my parents' house for dinner. It was really nice and simple. My parents often came over to our house on Christmas Eve, which could go very late into the wee hours of the morning. But they always arrived in separate cars because Dorothy did not want to be trapped. She was free to go when she was ready because those nights really did go ridiculously late. It wasn't uncommon for me to be filling stockings and putting out the Santa gifts at 3 a.m. or later. I used to turn the tree lights on, turn off all the other lights for a magical ambiance. Now Santa gifts were unwrapped to buy me some sleep in the morning. And the girls have told me that Christmas morning did seem magical. Of course, the divorce changed all that. Plus, the girls were growing up and sometimes wanted to spend Christmas with a boyfriend's family. The girls' Christmas tradition was tied to their father's friends, so I didn't have that anymore. My mom had passed away two years before the divorce and my father three years after her. And as the children got older, they were less interested in decorating a tree, so I eventually just did it myself. And I would never pressure them to try to juggle boyfriends, their father, and me, because I really think that's part of what makes Christmas so stressful for people. I hear these stories of people who have to go here and then visit these family members and then there, and especially when you have small children. Like, it's just... Ugh. It sounds like a nightmare. So I never pressured them. And until they moved away, we still did consistently have Christmas morning together, which had to be enough. And those years are a bit of a blur to me. I don't even remember 
when I started going to Abe's place. I did do Christmas dinner at my house at times, but I don't think all the girls were necessarily there for all of them. Not long before Christmas one year, a friend of Abe's was moving and needed a fridge, and I had just bought a fridge from a friend, and my old one was available, so I held on to it for her. It was just waiting for moving day in my foyer, where I usually put up my tree, unplugged, cleaned, doors open. Abe helped her move one snowy day in December, and when I asked him when he was taking the fridge, he said, oh, she bought a used fridge, she doesn't need it. Had I known that, I would have sold it, and now it was too close to Christmas for me to reasonably expect it to be sold. Since it looked like I was going to be stuck with this fridge in my foyer, I decided to wrap the fridge with gift wrap and put a little tree on top. The gifts went in the fridge on the wrapped shelves, and the bonus? Carrie helped me decorate it that year because she liked the idea of a Christmas fridge. One year, I told the children we were going to have a homemade Christmas, which did not impress them very much. I did it because I feel very uncomfortable about the level of consumerism that Christmas brings, and it just seems so hypocritical to me. However, that year, Catherine made me a blanket. One side, photos of the girls at various ages iron-transferred onto the fabric. The other, thick plush. And I still have that blanket. I still did buy them presents that year. I didn't expect them to only have a homemade Christmas from me, but it turned out to be nice. One year, I bought Catherine some bum shorts, red and white striped shorts with plastic butt cheeks sticking out of her rear cutout. She got so much mileage out of those bum shorts, and I wish I knew where they were today. I actually went online looking for some because... It's amazing. (laughs) The simplest silly thing I bought because, well, it kind of went with Kath Bum and she made movies with those shorts. She had a lot of fun with those shorts. I don't buy a lot of gifts though because I just think gifts should always be optional. We don't do Secret Santa or anything like that. And I might buy a gift for an adult if I see something that they will like, but no expectations. And as Catherine says, most adults just buy what they want or need, and for adults to shop for each other from a list is just like running errands, which I agree with her is totally silly. One Christmas after Abe and I had moved to Toronto, Abe went home to his family for Christmas, and I stayed in Toronto. Carrie was also living in Toronto at the time, but she didn't want to celebrate. So I went over to her apartment after putting the turkey in the oven at my sister's, And we just spent the afternoon watching TV together. And it was really, really nice. Once I was living in Toronto, though, I tried to see the National Ballet's Nutcracker almost every year. I love the theater, the ballet, the live orchestra. And I'm quite happy to go by myself because there's no way I want to drag someone who doesn't want to go. The tickets are expensive. And if you're sitting with me not enjoying it, that takes away some of the fun for me. The other nice thing about going to anything like this alone is you can usually get a really good last-minute seat if you're only looking for one. Tickets are expensive, so I would much rather go by myself than waste money on a ticket for someone who's just not interested. Plus, I happen to enjoy my own company. One afternoon, though, I brought my niece and nephew to see it. 
they were five and seven at the time, and I thought, maybe they'll like this, and this can be our little tradition that we do every year, now that I'm living close by. They thought it was the worst movie. Yes, my nephew called it a movie. They thought it was the worst movie they had ever seen. And I'm like, but it's live. Do you understand? They're doing this live. No, didn't care. Worst movie they had ever seen. But we went to see Carrie at the Birdie restaurant after the show, so that was good. That's what they called Hooters. Carrie, Alan, Abe, and I were lucky enough to go to England for Christmas when Catherine still lived in the renovated church flat. She took us skating in the worst skates I've ever experienced. We spent evenings outside beside a fire playing games. We played Family Feud. It was so much fun. We had a wonderful Christmas dinner together. Catherine even had an outdoor tree, which had been delivered by men in kilts. Oh, and a few years ago, I met Catherine and Violet in New York City. We saw the Radio City Music Hall Christmas Spectacular starring the Radio City Rockettes. Oh my God, I loved that show. And I'll tell you, if I were wealthy, I would go to New York to see that show every year. It had Santa, Baby Jesus, Mary, Joseph, a suspenseful plot, Christmas carols, the Rockettes. There's a reason it's called an extravaganza. A couple of years ago, Carrie and I came up with the idea. I don't know how it even came up, but we thought it would be funny to start sending violet framed headshots of ourselves. I have no idea why this struck me as so funny. I think, like, I think it's kind of this perverse idea that violet would get a framed headshot of her grandmother in the mail as a gift. Be like, what the hell? I would appreciate that now, but I think it wouldn't necessarily be something that a 10-year-old would appreciate. Believe it or not, though, Catherine said she actually does like them. I mean, she told me she liked them, but I wasn't sure if she was being kind. And I think it was because she really wants for nothing now, and she's getting hard to buy for. And even if she does think those headshots are lame now— I would love to have headshots of my mother or grandmother, so if she doesn't throw them out, she'll appreciate them someday. Maybe she'll use the frames for some of her own pics. I don't know. So I started with one from 1981, and I included a letter telling her a bit about what the world was like in 1981, what was popular, how archaic the technology was, and what I was doing in 1981. And then the next one, I think, was at some point in my 30s. It wasn't even a headshot. It was a glamour shot that my mom and I had done. And my mom didn't even get any pictures taken of herself. I think she just came with me. And oh my God, do I ever wish I had that of my mother now. This year, she's getting one from 2002. A professional foxy black and white shot. And I'm going to keep this up until I run out of headshots which will only probably be a couple of years from now. Last year, Carrie sent her a huge cushion with a stunning photo of herself in red lingerie. <laughs> it really is a stunning photo. I made a heart-shaped cushion for a good friend of hers of the same photo. It's great. Oh, the other thing I like to do is I keep telling them that I'm going to record a Christmas album, and I never get around to it. But the working title is, You'll Like This When I'm Dead. Maybe now that I've learned how to edit audio, I will eventually get around to it. And as much as I would like to see all my children, anytime, not just Christmas, 
I would never pressure anyone or expect anyone to travel at Christmas because it's the most horrible time of the year to travel. It's bananas. Flights are more expensive, and you run the risk of being stuck due to weather problems. Abe and I were in England mid-December, the year of the Great Snowstorm. I think that was about 10 years ago, maybe 11. And we spent three days in Heathrow Airport before we got home on separate flights. I had my 11-year-old nephew who needed to get back to his family, or I would have been very happy to head back to Catherine's and spend Christmas with her and Violet. So we certainly don't have any consistent family traditions. Joanne made a comment once that I don't care about Christmas. And there's a big difference between not caring and not pressuring people. Even if you don't have far to go, it can be way too hectic and stressful to visit multiple parents, in-laws, and friends. I mean, I would love it if they all came here, but there are too many conflicts and mitigating factors, so I never really make big plans for Christmas, and it's always just a matter of que sera, sera. Abe and I usually get together with his family in the Sarnia area early-ish December to ensure high availability. Those Christmas parties are so much fun. We all chat, eat, sing, and dance. I've been known to dance with my sisters-in-law on the island counter. Abe's sister Mary has been known to dance with his brother's wife, Heather, on her shoulders. We've really missed that party during lockdown and can't wait for it to happen again. This Christmas, it's just going to be Abe, Carrie, Alan, and me. I have no idea what I'm making for dinner. Abe is vegan, Carrie has celiac disease, and a long list of dislikes. So I don't go in for the traditional turkey dinner that a lot of people do. And we sure as hell aren't going to eat ham. And since no grandchildren will be here, I haven't even put up a tree or any decorations for that matter. Is that grinchy of me? Perhaps. It might seem a little sad that we have no traditions, but it's also very freeing. I love the no-expectations Christmas, because no matter what you're doing, who you're missing, whether you celebrate baby Jesus or not, I hope you find a way to enjoy a little bit of time off, if you're lucky, and I wish you a very peaceful, happy Christmas, Christmas. or happy holidays. And let's hope 2022 is better. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate, review, share, or email me if you have anything you'd like to say at jewelsays at gmail.com. Happy holidays. And pass out by the tree Christmas Eve will find me Boozing with my friends I'll be drunk for